HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Gusiamo.com, an online company specializing in bringing real Italian ingredients made by good Italian farmers and food makers to pantries all over the United States. Gustiamo.com is offering free shipping to the Food Scene listeners on their entire website through the 2017 holiday season. At checkout, just use Gusti code THEFOODSCENE. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. And on today's episode of the food scene, Brad Thomas Parsons is probably best known for his cocktail writing, but, you know, having penned such modern classics as Bitter, Bitters and Amaros, you're, you're now celebrating another unsung hero of the booze world, and that, that is that of Mausers. And if you don't know what a Mauser is, you will very shortly. It is our feline protectors that are housed in breweries and distilleries, I mean, even some wineries as well around the world, and have been a very vital part, I mean, uh, of this industry, uh, of this storyline for a long, long time. So, First of all, let's talk about your cat, because we should all be talking about our cats all the time on this station. Absolutely. <laughs> Louis is a, is a friend and a drinking partner and your roommate. Yes, uh, Louis, actually. Louis. It gets, yeah, a lot of people call him Louis, but uh, Louis has uh, just turned 14 years old this summer. I got him when he was two years old in Seattle, and uh, we moved together across country in 2010. And uh, we've been through three apartments and uh, uh, 12 years together, and... He does just, uh, I like to, you know, when people say, oh, you're a cat dad, I always say, like, we're good friends and roommates. Like, we have a, he doesn't pay any rent, but uh, we respect each other's privacy, and uh, he's really charming, and and photogenic is all heck, and uh, he, so so I I kind of joked when uh, I was working on this quirky book that um, when, uh, like, when actors do from serious roles suddenly do like a voiceover in a Pixar film you know they do it for their kids they want a movie the kids can see so this was something for Lewis you yeah. know like like I wasn't I always tried to work him into the book 
through a photo or something in the other two books, and it just didn't ever quite work. So this is dedicated to him, and yeah, he is my world. Uh, he's a great guy, and um, people who've met him seem to really feel the same way. So he, he's he's affable, but but held back and reserved just enough. Where you know when I first got him, it was funny that uh, I was going to name him Leo, and. I adopted him, and he went under my bed for six weeks and never came out. <laughs> so I'm like, he's a, more of a Lewis. And then, and then when I went back and looked at his his CV that came with him, everything was like, doesn't like to be held aloof. You know, you can play from a distance. And so we've 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 made that bond over the years yeah. together, but it took a little while. I mean, that characteristic is is resonant of many bartenders too. <laughs> I mean, exactly. not that you find them hiding under your bed for no. six uh, weeks or six months. Exactly, but, affable. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know uh, drinking and living. With a cat are almost two things in the same. It, it is this kind of a gestural. It is this um, really interesting relationship between person and and I, I don't even know what to call the other side of it. it other thing, other person. Th- this foil. Um, <laughs> but cats are wonderful drinking partners, even though they may be slurping up water or you know yeah. or milk. It, does Lewis have a drink, or do you have a drink that you like to share on the couch while he's by your side? Well, you know, the the, the dirty little secret about me is I while I have, like, a bar's worth of liquor in my apartment, I don't actually drink a lot at home. You know, I live alone, and I feel like I drink enough when I'm out, uh, whether it's research or work or just having fun. Uh, so unless I'm entertaining or unless I'm uh, testing recipes, beyond, like, a a rolling rock or a yingling from the fridge. I, I, I'm not making a lot of cocktails. Uh, I, I think that's a tr- case of a lot of people who write about spirits or work in the spirits world. I could be wrong. So I would say, but when I am drinking, it's usually a Negroni or an old fashioned or kind of my two go tos. And, uh, he's strictly tap water, you know, never it's tap water. Uh, the, the loosest he gets with the edibles is some greenies. He has <laughs> some, uh, you know, that's his favorite treat. And he's, he kind of abuses those a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I think you know cats are great literary foils. Uh, you know, dogs are wonderful partners as well, and I've had those as a young boy. But um, but yeah, something about just that that give and take, especially in a small one bedroom apartment of uh, dealing with each other, living with each other, and just uh, going about your day together. And, and now that I'm, I'm writing full time at home, I really see his routines and realize he truly does sleep almost twenty two <laughs> hours a day. But when he's up, he's 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 worth it. I was going to say lucky dog, but he's a cat, being yeah. able to sleep that much. But in your years of writing at Columbia University and in having this MFA, did you see other cats within literature that you're like, wow, that is such a great muse? That is, Or is it just the fact that you had pets this whole time that you were able to you know, witness and kind of... Uh, um... Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of classic you often see the roundup of famous writers and their cats. So I would often see, uh, you know, Hemingway's a great example with all of his cats in Key West. And um, so I always liked the idea of that literary muse as a cat. When I was in grad school, I didn't have a cat, cause, uh, I, I, but I um, used to frequent the Hungarian pastry shop, which had a cafe cat named China that would hang out there, this little black cat. So I'm always drawn to cats no matter where they are in the wild. And that sort of was part of this, the, which led to this a little bit in terms of here in New York with the bodega cat and there's, you know, the rustic cousin, the barn cat, uh, bookstore cats. So these working cats, but um, was something that lured me to this idea of, a, of the book of of crossing into like pub cat to, to distillery cat or brewery cat. But I think from a literary point of view or a writer's point of view, um, you know, cats are low maintenance for the most part. You can, you know, I have dedicated 
cat sitting service that comes when I'm traveling. But but you know you can leave the house. You don't have to worry about walking them. Um, they they have their ups and downs for many other reasons, but um, inappropriate urination from time to time. <laughs> um, you know or, their butts or, always like three inches from your yeah, face for some reason. You know the vet bills, but I think you know it all. You know especially like I said, take them for a checkup and. You know, you're their benefactors. Uh, you have to speak on their behalf, and sometimes you don't want to, and sometimes, you you know, they don't like it for sure. So I have to administer some eardrops twice a day, and he hates me for it. But I'm like, I'm doing this for your own good. Yeah. So so yeah, I have found, um, you know, like I've Lewis is the one I've personally had by myself most of my adult life. I had a cat throughout college that sort of came home one Thanksgiving and stayed home, but he was always she was always part of the family and part of my cat. But um, I've always been driven, yeah, definitely driven by them and 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 drawn to them. Um, just their spirit, their sense of calm, their playfulness, uh, so many things about them that I admire. You are such a master at single subject books. Um, of course, with Bitters and Amaro, you, you kind of construct this canon of what those things are. And for people that aren't really even interested or engaged in those topics, they, they get so by reading your books. So how do, how do you frame something as singular as those objects, as Bitters, Amaro, and now Cats, in a way that it isn't just cat lovers reading this? Oh, thanks for saying that. I mean, it, with, with Bitters, where it really started for me, started with a 500-word article that I wrote for uh, Seattle Magazine. I was living in Seattle at the time. And I just, I interviewed way too many bartenders. I got too excited about the subject. I couldn't shake it. And I realized there wasn't a written word resource out there for the topic. And this is a topic that needed a lot of uh, unpacking, a lot of um, demystification, so to speak. And so I knew, so it's important for me to want to be able to spend a year, two years, three years sometimes with a topic um, and not get bored with it and always become interested and curious about it. So with bitters, uh, I really, it was for me, it was as much about, and, and with Amaro too, my second book, um, the demystify word is what connects those two books, where um, we're dealing with topics, especially in Morrow, um, unregulated, not a lot of rules, can be very confusing. Um, I'm American, writing about Italian topics, speak little to no Italian, and um, so I had to like do this um, world building, so to speak, of what are the rules of Amaro, and there weren't a lot of them, so I had to. I was getting difficult answers from different answers from different people. Um, went to the source as much as I could with the producers, many fourth, fifth, sixth generation. But with both of those books, I wanted to hit what I call a sweet spot of appealing to bartenders and professionals, but also the person that knows nothing about the topic and 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 not just to pick it up for a gift because it looks pretty, but someone I can hold their hand and bring them in and and through this visual package and the written word um, discover a little journey. So I've, I've, I've so that's. And it's tough now, like coming up, you know, Distillery Cats, that came about um, uh, from another article I wrote called Distillery Cats, uh, or the secret history of Distillery Cats for, secret lives of Distillery Cats for Punch. Um, It was one of my first articles for them in 2013, I think, when they first launched. And it became a little buzzy. I kind of, I I wrote about the old world uh, Irish and Scottish cats versus the new look craft distilling cats in America who are more brand ambassadors than, than um, actual working mousers. Um, and then it got picked up by NPR a few months later, and I sort of said to my publisher, like, hey, let's, let me do a book on this. And, and they, they, they eventually agreed. Um, but it was something, it's a cheeky, fun side project 
but it's something I'm really passionate about. And I think that comes through in the page. And with this, it was interesting to go the route of illustrations versus photographs. So it would have been, you know, there's other books out there, a lot of books out there on cats and dogs. There's books on uh, cats and dogs, vineyards especially, and um, shop cats. And I didn't, we didn't want a coffee table photo book. We wanted a smaller gift book, and uh, we thought illustrations would be a fun way to go. Originally, I'd envisioned they would look like vintage baseball cards, like the kind of oil painting look, um, uh, because we want to have fun facts about the cats and stats, like superhero stats. And then it kind of morphed into something a little more friendly, uh, quirky, um, hand-drawn illustrations from from this woman in Chicago named Julia Quo. And, or Quo. and uh, so, it, so that package came all together. But all three of those books I found, especially with Distillery Cats, um, I got the cat people, I get the booze people, and just the curious people that kind of show up who like tomorrow and bitters. So it's it's uh it's very different. The metrics are different for a gift. This is technically a gift book. It's uh, smaller in price, small or lower in price, smaller in size, more of an impulse buy, um, kind of built for holiday roundups versus uh, something like a or bitters, which hopefully will stay behind a bar for for years to come. Yeah, but I mean, it has so much depth to it. Uh, you did do those profiles and where you talk about favorite cat toys or cats' favorite places to be scratched and have a crazy Instagram following of, of 10,000 oh. plus. But what, what I do love is that old world Irish and Scottish tradition, uh, so much so that you uh, talk about Towser the Mauser, who spent 24 years at a distillery, um, Glentura, yeah. which is Scotland's it, oldest, and it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, she, there's a statue erected in her honor at the distillery. Uh, she she had, I think, for most kills, <laughs> and they, they had a quirky way of how they calculated that, which... Um, I think you have to take with a grain of salt, but averaging how old she was, how long she was there, how many mice per day or per week she she killed. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a horrific title to yeah, have. But it was but, upwards of like 29,000. Oh, yeah, it was like t- over 28,000 cats. And then and then there's a cat um, named Smitty from, uh, I think, Jameson Distillery uh, I, I came across as well, who just was so beloved that he was... Um, uh, taxidermied and, and, and put in the put put in the the Rick House. Sort of yeah. so, like, so Smitty's sort of greeting you there forever and ever uh, in perpetuity, keeping the mice away and greeting visitors. So so yeah. So these were like because real working cats who were, you know, they they weren't Instagram darlings. They were like working cats, and I'm sure they they caught the affection of staffers and visitors. But um, but the American cats, especially the new look distillery cats and brewery cats. Um, you know, I love the this one part of their story. I really love is that almost only one in the book was purchased. The rest for for because it was a comfort animal, uh, a service animal for a combat veteran. But all the others are adopted or came from cat colonies or feral. So, so the, this kind of this Dickensian second chance on life for a lot of these guys who had really rough starts. Like some of these came from hoarders or some were found under a hood of a car. Uh, all these sad kind of origin stories. And now are living a pretty cush life uh, in these distilleries. And are like instantly a fixture when they're there. And there's no like memory of them not being there, too. That's a great point. Yeah, it's interesting because like like Gangsta Cat over in uh, Gowanus at the other half brewery, uh, she lives next door in a cat colony. And she's more like a regular. Like she comes by and hangs out. But I was hanging with um, Hoodie this weekend who's really one of the breakout stars of the book in the Instagram up in Newburgh, New York. And she lives in the office. She's not allowed in the in the tap room or food prep area during the day when people are there and they're making food. 
But at night, she has full reign of like the brewery, the tap room, the office, and then it, it goes back there in the it, during the daytime. So they all have different routines and systems and where they're allowed in the distillery or brewery. But the ones that kind of come out during the tours or are greeting visitors, they are some of the most popular ones. And people are specifically coming to see the cat. You know, like, can I take a picture of the cat? Or where's the cat? You know, getting the sample or buying the booze is is a second thought. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And it wouldn't be a BTB book if it didn't have cocktail recipes in there, too. (laughs) So we'll be talking about things like gin juleps and fall fashions very soon. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Gustiamo.com, an online retailer specializing in bringing real Italian ingredients made by good Italian farmers and food makers to pantries all over the United States. Gustiamo.com is an independent company that imports everything themselves, from Sicilian ancient grain flour to balsamic saba, everyday vinegar, and sells directly to consumers at Gustiamo.com. Gustiamo.com is Solucione Perfecta for all of your holiday shopping. Their beautiful gift boxes come in all price ranges and are all filled with real Italian ingredients that will delight curious and adventurous chefs and non-chefs alike. I'm Michael Harlan Turkel, a regular customer, and just ordered the O Sole Mio gift box because you can never have too much anchovy colatura. You can purchase the full range of gift boxes by going to Gusiama.com and clicking on the blue gift icon. Have a big gift list this year? Send your list to Gusiama.com and they will do the rest, making sure your gifts will arrive around the date you choose. Give anyone on your list a delicious holiday with Italian ingredients and products made with outstanding craftsmanship and sourced with care. Gustiamo.com is offering free shipping to the Food Scene listeners on their entire website through the 2017 holiday season. That's G-U-S-T-I-A-M-O.com. At checkout, just use Gusti code the Food Scene. Hey, and welcome back. welcome back to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Here today with Brad Thomas Parsons of Distillery Cats, Amaro Bitters, working backwards. But it's, it's these cats and it's these cocktails that we're really here to talk about. And the stories behind cats like Hoodie from Newburgh Brewery found underneath the hood of a car. Yes. Um, and then Automatic, uh, then a pale ale was named after the cat. Or they found Yeah, they found Automatic the day of the release of, of that, that beard of the same name. So, so yeah. And hoodie, like, like when I went to, I was there Saturday, um, when people came to say hello, there were like four generations of hoodie t-shirts. Like they make (laughs) these hoodie limited edition hoodie t-shirts and, and like body built by beer. And I came for the beer. I came to see, I came for hoodie. I stayed for the beer and, and it's hilarious that how much people are there for the cats as much as the booze. I mean, so there's an expectation to see Daryl Hall when you're at Lucky <laughs> Hair Brewing. Well, Daryl Hall, the cat. Yes. <laughs> yes, the cat. Yeah. Yeah. John Oates, sadly, there was a John Oates when I started the book. And uh, sadly, part of the, you know, it's a, it's a rough life sometimes for these cats or can be dangerous. And uh, John Oates, when I was checking, I'm like, hey, I never got the info on John Oates. Uh, and uh, well, he's no longer with us. Uh, there was an incident at the brewery with a dog, unfortunately. Oof, and, oof. and only one of the cats, uh, uh, one of the cats passed when I was writing the book. And and Leland, Leland Murphy and we kept him in there because it was such a nice story, a, a, a tribute of how they had a 
awake at the distillery with a bagpiper and you know whiskey shots in in his honor and so so yeah so the, the the sad part of like living with animals is you know we have a limited time with them and we make the most of it but but yeah so i didn't mean to go too yeah, dark no, no, there. but i mean <laughs> it is such an ingrained sense of those spaces that you know there are cocktails that call out to them that are in reference i mean of the cocktails in your book what what is most akin to uh that specific cat's personality Oh, that's a good question. You know, because when, when we were so, there's 15 distilleries and 15 breweries. Originally, it was going to be all distilleries, and there were so many cool brewery cats that we just like hoodie and gangsta cat that I couldn't leave them on the cutting room table. So we have 15 recipes in there. And originally, you know, when I when I first announced the book, I was talking to Amy Stewart, the the writer who wrote the Drunken Botanist, among many others, and she just sent me like a riff on. 15, 16 uh, cat cocktail names. Like, oh, you can do this, you know, because beyond like Satan's whiskers and things, you know, like, and so there was that question of should we do, um, you know, punny cat names um, or just go with the name of the ring? Because ultimately we went with what the distillery made, uh, whether they had a bar there or um, submitted a recipe. But I would say there, there's, um, one of my favorites is the Fernetscape navigator which is just simply like fernet and chinar using a local and they also they all use their local products but there's one called um a barn cat named pepper that is probably the most ambitious drink in the book it's made by like a true uh mixologist <laughs> and um you know there's syrups there's a like a a a, a, a pepper syrup and some other things but the the finishing so that, so it the finishing touch though is um, with some bitters and additional pepper, you make a cat face in the, in the in the egg white kind of uh, surface of the drink. So so explaining that was 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 tricky. Um, and and uh, you know, it's so like I didn't have to write deep deep head notes and historical notes on these drinks. It was more um, you know making use of their product. But and there's one called the Catterwall. So there are some funny named ones. But I think a barn cat named Pepper is the is the truest expression of, you know, true, totally invented in, in that cat's honor. I mean, there are also classic cocktails or iterations. Yeah, a like lot the, of old-fashioned yeah. variations in the book for sure. Because for sure. um, a lot of these people are making whiskeys and vodkas and gins, and so you're getting some some takes on that. But some of them are, are uh, they're, they're, they weren't all just, you know, some of the feedback I had in the book were like some unexpected creative drinks, which is nice in that. So I tested them all and made them all, but these were not from my invention or they weren't my usual uh, working with bartenders to get submissions of, of some modern bittersweet classics. These were sort of what drink best represents your distillery and or the cat. I mean, did you see like an end cap to this thesis about distillery cats? Did you meet any cat that was named something like Campari or Fernet or... <laughs> No, you know, mostly it's riffs on the ingredients. You know, there's a, a lot of barleys and rye and hops, um, uh, but um, or just I found more like the uh, the the more unusual names like Fletcher Pickles and Leland Leland Murphy, and always it's always Fletcher Pickles. It's not Fletcher, or it's not you know <laughs> a full um, name kind. Yeah, of these guy. kind of full name cats. Um, you know, because there were there was some confusion where we had several hops sort of under submission, so to speak, for the book, and and I used one of them, and some of them uh, looked alike, and and there was some confusion about that's our hops. And we're like, no, it was the other hops cat. So <laughs> or there's one, hops one p or two p's, different riffs on it. But yeah, the, so I find like especially like all my animals have, have had 
pretty much human names like uh, Paul, Billy, and now Lewis. And so I'm kind of drawn to like the the human named um, animal. I mean, I think Angostura or Sibylla would be a great oh, name. For no, a I mean, yeah, you could I, you could get Ramazotti. You can go down a lot of the uh, the Amaro list for sure. Um, yeah, Peixot. Uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of uh, good riffs. It's funny. A quick side note: at one event I did. We had a cat adoption, and there were four cats. And I was really happy that two of the four, 50%, were adopted. And my book editor uh, in San Francisco adopted a cat. And the cat, they had named Brad. And my the, the adoption agency had named it Brad. So, um, And she only kept that name, sadly, for about 48 hours. It's still his legal name, but I think she's just like... Every time I'm mad at it, I can't yell, Brad, get off the table, or Brad, do this. And I'm like, well, you're used to, you know, where's your manuscript? You're late. <laughs> um, so now it's it's Otto after the bus driver in The Simpsons, but his uh, official name is Brad Otto. So um, so I was touched by that, for sure. So. so you look at Lewis, and do you know what kind of drink that cat might have now that you've gone through this process of distillery cats? Oh, if there was a cocktail named, or, or, or what he what he would drink, or what I would... Both. What you would drink with him or what he would drink if he was the kind to be a, a tippler? Well, you know, I'm I'm personally, I'm drawn to the Negroni Spagliato a lot. And I think he would like, like an aperitivo-style drink, um, for sure. Something light, bittersweet, um, open up the appetite. You know, he's a light eater. He snacks throughout the day. He's not a heavy eater, doesn't like pound all his food. So he's more of a nibbler. So I see him in the Italian aperitivo style. So, so maybe a Negroni Spagliato variation, um, maybe some Bruto Americano instead of Campari or, uh, mix it, mix it up there. But, um, something light, refreshing, bittersweet and bubbly. You know, after hearing you say that, I'm only realizing that my cat Mason is probably just a shot of Jaeger (laughs) (laughs) because he, he eats all his food at once and that cat runs and bombs around the house all the time. So he is surely a Jaeger. Yeah, Lewis has a delicate sensibility. Like I, on his birthday, I used to give him a can of wet food and within five minutes he was, it wasn't in him anymore. So I was like, all right. So he's strictly dry food and those greenies we spoke about and the occasional cat treat, but he's, he's pretty low key. But he is a he is a nibbler and a snacker. And for those people that don't have cats or don't know what Mausers are and want to go meet some, obviously you can go to these breweries and distilleries yeah. and and meet you know the, the the cats in this book. Maybe have them sign a paw print as well. But it's it, it's so great that obviously these are live creatures, but that you've animated them in this way that they're archival that that that. They're regal, that they're something more than just, uh, uh, you know, the protector from, you know, varmint and rodents in these places. Well, yeah, I mean, the term, you know, mouser, when you think about it, you know, there's a reason they're there, but it's one of those circle of life things you don't really want to think about. I mean, but if the cat was there and you're like, oh, why is there a cat here? Think of what might be going on if the cat wasn't there, you know, so they are organic pest control. Um, and a lot of times these cats come in and they keep the mice away and they never come back. And other times, you know, I was hearing some awful stories about Hoodie, you know, sweet little Hoodie, just the way she tortures <laughs> these poor mice when she catches them. So there is the ugly side of it. And there is this sort of uh, don't ask, don't tell questions from state by state, city by city of, of the practice of this. Uh, and I didn't want to turn in any cats by any means. Um, only one Brewster was... Um, was let go, so to speak, and is now a home <laughs> home brew cat um, after a health inspector visit. But uh, for the most part, there's there's yeah. So I think so yeah. I, I wanted to definitely you know look at what they're doing and not really think about the logistics of them. You know, like they are earning their keep, but they've got a pretty. I think the bookstore cat has ultimately one of the best gigs, or it's just 
pretty much sleeping the whole time and hanging out in the windows and the chairs. The distillery cat does work. A lot of times at night, they're out on the floor. Um, they're catching things. but and, and, and some of them are more aggressively uh, have that killer instinct. You know, they say you have to be affable with a killer instinct sort of sums them up. But I think um, yeah, capturing them in book form... Uh, it was funny, like when we, I sent copies of the books to all of the cats, you know, addressed to them and with a little note. And it was hilarious to see the reaction of some of the cats recreated their pictures in the book. <laughs> um, and like you said, the paw print, there have been a couple of cats who have done authorless events where <laughs> they come in and meet and they're sticking their paw in the ink and signing the book. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, it is a tribute to what they're doing. It's a historical job but it's this new filter of, of way of looking at it especially through social media and they're, they're brand ambassadors um for this job and and for the industry and um for people who like cats it's a and booze it's a pretty cool uh venn diagram cross-section of uh hitting a sweet spot of 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 visiting these cats and you can in many places like you can use it like a a, a guidebook and hit the hit the ones there. Um, I always recommend to call ahead, you know, but but um, to make sure it's a public cat or private cat. But uh, but yeah, they're they're there and they're ready ready to see you and bring some greenies. But yes, <laughs> thank you so much, Brad, for being on. And if you don't already have bitters and amaro, um, or maybe even a cat, maybe add three, <laughs> all three to the get, collection. Get all three, yeah. <laughs> cat books, boom. Excellent. Thank you so much for my being pleasure. On. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network org. I hope to have you listening next Tuesday at 3. And a huge thank you to our new sponsor, Gustiamo.com. Use Gusti code the food scene for your discount today through the 2017 holiday season. Music by Cookies, David Tattashore Engineering. Cheers. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.